Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? We are in San Francisco, which is now a purple county. Yeah. Which means whatever's open, it's too cold to be out on the street. So long story short, we're in our respective apartments. And I, just re and I just realized there is actually a curfew at 10 p.m. <laughs> yep, we've only got three more hours before we have yep. to be home. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, you just turn into a pumpkin or who mm -hmm. knows what. Uh, in any case, I mean, that's the funny thing because San Francisco is always usually so dead after a specific time that I don't think that it's going to be like too much of a difference as being outside after 10 or not with a car feed. I don't know when this podcast will be released, but it's actually the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I didn't expect the city to empty out like it usually does because everyone goes to visit family, but the city is dead the last yeah. few years. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I think that there was still like some people that they stayed, but I can tell you that most of my neighbors, they actually just travel out. We went to, uh, there's a cool little restaurant in a hotel right by my new place called Chambers Eat and Drink. Oh. And it's fairly popular for brunch. And we went there for brunch yesterday. We were the only people in the entire restaurant and they shut it down after we left because there was no business. <laughs> oh my God, that's sad. Oh well, yeah, well, let's see. And uh, the funny thing is I think that this podcast may actually come out, be released on the, uh, for the holidays, for Christmas. So, Merry Christmas, Jose. Merry Christmas. <laughs> just in <laughs> advance, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what did we watch today? We watched the 2008 masterpiece, Doubt. I had a feeling that now you're trolling me after I called you out, <laughs> that most of the movies that you like, oh, you call them masterpieces. <laughs> Even the Juniper Tree was a masterpiece. <laughs> but yeah, and this was actually my pick. And I think that I picked it because I, uh, this a movie, and I'm already going to be like just answering to all the questions that I recommend to everyone. I had a feeling that this was not too popular. You know, okay. is I had a feeling that like, most people don't remember about it, but I, I keep recommending it to everyone. It's like, you know, if they tell me about, like, oh, I want a drama that it doesn't feel like too long or anything, and it's like, just pretty self-contained, it's a doubt. That is like one of the first movies that it comes to my mind. And I was thinking about it, about like what makes it so special besides Meryl Streep, Amy Adams, Philly Seymour Hoffman, Viola Davis. And I was thinking that the script is solid. There is a movie that is about like the script is solid and the acting is solid. So when we watched adaptation a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking that this is a movie that it has most of the power that it has. It actually comes from a solid script. And I wanted to, I mean, it's way simpler than adaptation, of course, but it's like, I wanted to just compare like just as we were like just analyzing so much the script on adaptation, if this is a script that it holds its way together. Yep, I agree with all of that. So you were not in the States in 2008. I think that it got a ton of attention when it came mm -hmm. out. One, it's PG-13, which means it's family friendly for everyone. Um, two, the Catholic, you know, rape crisis was a, a thing at that point. But I do agree with you in that it's forgotten. It, it's like, I feel like it made a splash. You got a ton of Oscar nominations and then it just went away. You know, the funny thing is I had a feeling that it maybe was popular before the Oscars, but you know what was the big movie of those Oscars? What? Is Land of Millionaire. 
that is truly a masterpiece. <laughs> and that's that's a movie, you know, that's one of the movies that is like, I remember like watching it and said, ah, you know, it was it was good, you know, it was entertaining, but it was one of those movies that is like, if I was part of the jury of the Academy and I actually voted for it, five years later, I could be regretting it. It would be like just basically voting for Crash. And just five years later, like, holy shit, why? What did I do? What was I thinking? That would have been a mistake. And I will uh, admit, I got into a pre-screening of Slumdog Millionaire, and I was like, this is the best film of the year. <laughs> so good. Well, because you you already love Danny Boyle because of Sansei. I love Danny Boyle for a lot of his films, including 28 Days Later, which we might watch soon. <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, what is this movie about? This movie is about, um, and you're going to have to forgive me because I know so little about Catholic schools and Catholic, you know, mass and mm -hmm. the, the um, hierarchy of all of this, but it takes place at a Catholic school. And is it New York? Do they ever it's say it? It's in New York. Yeah, New yeah York? they say it, they say it. Yeah, they show it when Amy Adams receives the letter, is that they spend like five seconds they are showing the dress. And you oh, see that it's in, uh, in Brooklyn, I think that it was. So it takes place at a Catholic school in New York where Philip Seymour Hoffman plays um, Father Flynn. Flynn. Um, Meryl Streep plays someone with the last name I'm not even going to try and pronounce. But she is a nun and she's the principal of the school for kids. Um, and then there's another nun that's played by Amy Adams. And a she's novice. Kind of a novice. She's very naive and thinks all people are good and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and lastly, there is Viola Davis, who plays the child of, or sorry, the parent of one of the children within yeah. the school. There is a little incident where Father Flynn calls in a boy, not coincidentally, the only black boy in the in the school, I think, at least in the classes we see. They have oh, no, 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 no. Meryl Steep actually says explicitly that is that this is the first black student. Because it's a, a school for Irish and... And Italian. Italian. Because the neighborhood is actually Irish and Italian. And they say, it's like, we were expecting fights, we were expecting controversy, we were expecting parents coming here, but we were not expecting this. Yeah. So, Father Flynn calls this boy into his office for a private meeting. After the boy leaves, the nuns, Meryl Streep and Amy Adams, well, Amy Adams says that she smelt alcohol in the breath, on his the boy's breath and he, she felt like he was very affected by whatever happened Meryl Streep takes that as a oh this father is molesting this boy and takes on this personal crusade to get him out of the parish um, and most of the movie is just conversations about what or what they think didn't happen Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman presenting his case to Meryl Streep and you're just kind of, you spend an hour and 45 minutes trying to figure out what you think happened. And yeah. Did he so do it? Did he not do it? We don't know. Do you think that he do it? I don't. And I don't know if that's me just like, oh, he's a white guy, protect him. Like, he did, I don't do those things. But then also, like, realistically, that happens a lot in the Catholic Church. I don't know. I think that he did it. I think yeah. that he did it. Yeah, I think that he did it. So uh, basically, Meryl Streep's character is a just 
blinded by her own convictions. Is that she's sure that Philip Seymour Hoffman did something. And it doesn't matter how many times there is this amazing dialogue between Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Meryl Streep that they are talking about, like, what can I do to convince you? You cannot do anything. Is like, I'm convinced. Is I have my faith, and my faith, I actually just started to believe that you are a child molester. Is that you cannot do anything else. So she actually just creates this trap for him. And I wanted to ask you about like the script. How did you feel about the script? Do you think that it's solid? Or if, it, if you feel like it has some gaps? Because basically this is based on a theater play. And it's like pretty clear that there are like three main characters and Viola Davis. <laughs> Oscar That's, winning. Oscar <laughs> Yeah. But it's a cease for six minutes on my screen. So... Uh... No, sorry, she's for six minutes of the movie, like from the first time that she appears to the last time that she appears. But maybe on the screen she's like for three. Yeah. And she gets so nominated for that. When you wanted to rewatch this film, I wasn't very excited. I remember seeing this film back in the day and being like, uh, it's a good movie, but it's not my thing. You and I both love films that are based on plays. Yep. We intimacy. Um, so I was paying very close attention to the script because I expected not to like it based on my memory of 2000. Yeah. And I was extremely, extremely impressed with the script, yeah. except for Amy Adams' character, which I I thought was kind of like an oafish character. Like nobody's that naive, like, okay, we get it. So the funny thing is like, uh, I agree, I agree with, uh, with that. As I see it's completely ideological, you know, but just as I actually come from a Catholic upbringing, is that the novices, they're usually like extremely, you know, like naive and a bit about like, everything's going to work. But the thing is, I think that when they were writing the script, they were thinking about Julie Andrews in Sound of Music <laughs> for Amy Adams. <laughs> like, what about if Julie Andrews goes sore? Because at the end of the of the movie, is that she's just, I love that line of dialogue, it's like, I, I cannot sleep anymore. I have like a hard time sleeping. And uh, Middle Street replies like, well, maybe we are not supposed to sleep well. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing about like the transition. You can actually see like the transition from the Amy Adams at the beginning, like the Amy Adams at the end, and then like, the Middle Street that is like, that's, that's your destination. That's where you're going. <laughs> so the one, as an example, um, Father Flynn asked Amy Adams, uh, what did, uh, he didn't ask her, but they're talking about what they thought of the last, the Christmas pageant from the year past. And she's like, oh, I love the Christmas present. I like all the songs. And then she just starts to list every Christmas song ever until Meryl Streep tells her to shut up. And I was like, okay, this doesn't feel realistic, but I will say everything else felt incredibly um, sharp and convincing and Again, we know it's because these are two great actors, but the conversations between Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman, I mean, it's just, it's like watching it's again. the best actors probably at that time working. So yeah. overall, I think the script was great. The character development was great. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's the same. But you were asking me about like, if I believe it or not. Is that my problem with the script? There is only like one problem that I have forgotten is that when Amy Adams goes to Meryl Streep to just say, because Meryl Streep is like the first one that releases the hounds about like, hey, just tell me if Father Flynn does something weird. And uh, Amy Adams first sees this call to the rectory uh, from the kid, you know, for the kid. And yeah. then uh, a week later, she actually sees uh, Philly Seymour Hoffman putting 
like an under seat into the locker of the kid. But she never mentions that Meryl Streep character. That's the part that I feel is like, that's a bit weird that like you're holding that back for actually just being the doubt that I need answers. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I also, I mean, she eventually comes clean about everything to Meryl Streep, so yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I also, she fiercely believed in the innocence, not just of Father Flynn, but of absolutely everyone. Everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. I love, I love like the scene. I mean, the, the thing is that the uh, the uh, description times is subtle about like it gives you the hints early on. Like for example, you see like the kid, the blonde kid, that you see him like in the middle of the street, like with the bleeding nose, and he started smoking immediately, like just with a smile on his face. And then later, you actually see that it's like, oh, this is a gesture of how naive Amy Adams' character is. Yeah, and they don't. Yeah, they belabor that point a little. A little much for my taste. I was like, we get it. She's innocent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but what I mean is, like, okay, it's subtle presenting it. It's not subtle when delivering it. Yeah. You know, it's a bit more like, okay, now we're going to be like, looking at the camera and say, like, are you sure that they are not fooling you? What about if he calls it himself? He said, yeah, we all know that. At this point, is that you already just told us that, you know, she's naive. And whatever she's going to be like doing is that she's going to be like falling to whatever it does. But when uh, Meryl Streep, the other point that I have like a bit of a problem on the script that is a bit on the nose, is that when they have like this conversation between Philly Seymour Hoffman and Meryl Streep, and she says that she called to a nun from his previous Paris, and she freaks out about like, you are not supposed to speak with nuns, you are supposed to speak with the, uh, with the father that is in there. It's an over and she told me blah 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 and it's and then immediately Fidi Seymour Hoffman out of nowhere she asked her sorry he asked her is like did you never do any kind of uh, mortal scene that is like yeah we know that the mortal scene is like she just lied right now that's the mortal scene yeah and then she was like and I confessed it I was like what not yet bitch not yet <laughs> <laughs> but you know like that's the that's the thing that I feel like okay that's pretty on the nose you know when all the all the pieces fall in place is like okay but there was no reason for Philly Seymour from Hoffman character to ask about this that's the only, the only but it's, it's minimal you know it's like, because it doesn't come from anywhere you cannot compare like have you ever steal something have you ever lied with have you ever like just make advances with a child is it that's a different league you are right i think you are right there's just something in me that rejects um judging him as guilty of this crime since there is no proof at all and i i think in my personal life i worked at this very small company like five years ago and there was a, a young woman there who worked as a customer service rep and she was troubled a little bit um and she accused me of sexual harassment once once to the company and once to a co-worker that was actually a family friend of mine she didn't know this and we hired her on to do this consultant work and so when I think about Philip Seymour Hoffman's character's choice to leave the parish, I think of me in that situation accused of something that I didn't do. I don't know if you can tell from the name of the podcast, but I would not sexually harass a woman ever. <laughs> also, I'm a professional. I don't do that. And like, so, the urge to do 
remove yourself from that situation because it's dangerous. Once you get accused of child molestation or sexual harassment, regardless of whether or not it's true, it's dangerous for you and you have to remove yourself from that situation. What was the uh, the movie that I actually just won the best movie act, sorry, the best movie Oscar? And it was about a newspaper that they untap uh, a case of a... Uh, it was in Boston, no? It's it was like not post. It was not the post. It was something else that would make. But I, I just feel like okay, this is a movie that it makes sense to be released now, but at the same time it removes a bit of the doubt that you may have because you know what the reality was on the 60s and 70s. So as my father is never going to be listening to this podcast, I remember like discussing with him about this. That is because these cases used to also like happen more on small parishes you know, than actually in large ones. And uh, because the kids were getting like more involved, there was a bit more of a family treatment, you know, so the priest would be like just part of the family, they would be like just harder to believe the kid if they actually say something like that, because you know that guy, that guy is like part of your family, basically. So uh, I remember like asking him that, is okay, no priest ever got frisky with me, but it's true that that's something that it was quote-unquote known that they would do that. So wow. the Viola Davis conversation that is still like heartbreaking. Jesus Christ, she deserved the Oscar for those three minutes. She was yeah. so good. Yeah, but it's like it's amazing about like how how sharp is that part of the script about like how she's like, look, I just have a kid that he wouldn't make it otherwise, and I have someone that is caring for him, but it's like, isn't a Meryl Streep saying, like, it's not about, like, just caring, it's about, like, just getting, you know, like, what is he doing? It's like, it's not right. It's like, it's not about, like, being right. And Viola Davis is being extremely practical, but I don't have kids. But I was just thinking, it's like, how, how would I actually react in a situation like this? If I was, like, the parent of a kid that I know that it would have, like, a very hard time without the support of grown-ups, and the one that is giving support, is actually abusing him. But I know that if I were to just raise my voice or try to do anything, the kid would never make it. Yeah, it's a it's a really that's that's the beauty of the script is that it's all so morally ambiguous. You can yeah. understand the emotions and motivations of every character. Uh, to a lesser extent, Amy Adams, her character bugs me a little bit, but I get where Meryl Streep was coming from. I get where the pastor was coming from, if he's innocent. I get what Viola Davis is saying. I get that he was a young gay black kid in an yep. Italian and Irish neighborhood, and nobody thought this was going to go well. And for some reason it was because of Father Flynn. Like, what yep. do you do in this situation? It's That's what I really enjoyed is that after every scene, I was convinced one thing. And then after the next scene, I was convinced something else happened. And, <laughs> And I got to the end and I was like, I don't feel like I even want to say what I think happened because the fun is going on that journey with characters. Yeah, yeah. And even like the ending when you actually just see this character that is so composed for the whole movie and she's so convinced of her own principle and ideals, how she actually breaks down, how Meryl Streep breaks down is that that's heartbreaking. You know, it's, like, it's, it's amazing that she didn't win an Oscar for this. Well, that all of them didn't win an Oscar because all of them did an amazing job. I understand that Amy Adams may be a bit more stereotypical, 
But she does it still does like an amazing job. She does a great job. I think the problem yeah. isn't her performance, it's the script in that specific regard, but it was still an incredible performance. They were all mind-blowing. Yeah, I had the feeling that it's like a Amy Adams character is written as a vehicle, you know, as a tool, instead of actually just as a full-fledged character. It's a feels, yeah. It feels a bit more of, okay, we need someone that is naive for just being the counterpart of Meryl Streep character. And you can see that the other characters feel the same way because when she like tries to talk in meetings, Meryl Streep's like, shut up. And they just yeah. keep talking to Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, bitch. <laughs> You're too basic. Uh, but yeah, I honestly, I think that that actually encapsulates a bit more of the novice feeling of uh, of people, you know, of uh, this kind of people that they go into Nancy or, or priesthood, you know, that I think that it's like they go because of ideals and it's like and then you actually just turn into something like really jaded or i don't know you love or you like like this contrast when they have like the priest and the monsignor like everyone like just having dinner smoking and just laughing talking loud and then immediately you have like the uh the table with the nuns that they are mm -hmm. not talking at all <laughs> and the monsignor actually tells philip seymour hoffman as a joke you're evil and i was like Okay. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Potatoes, Spotlight. potatoes. Spotlight is the movie you were thinking of. Spotlight, yeah. yeah. And, then and I did was... think a lot about that movie because one of the things they point, they discovered is that if a, if a father is molesting kids, they just move them around from parish to parish. And that's what Philip Seymour Hoffman was doing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this movie, without that contest, you know, with everything that was discovered during that time, I think that it would have been more ambiguous. But for me, it's like, no, he was a child molester. I agree that it's less ambiguous now, um, but I was thinking, there's, it's not but, it's yes and. Um, I was blown away that even though in the last 12 years, our understanding of the 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 child predation and the Catholic Church has evolved and grown considerably. This is still an extremely timeless piece. Like oh, there's yeah. nothing that felt irrelevant today. I think in 30 years, maybe the situation will have been resolved within the church, but this will still be incredibly relevant, everything in it. Yeah. And I just added like one more question to our ever growing list of questions that if this is timeless. Or timely. Or timely, yeah. <laughs> so, is it actually the Lost Boys, <laughs> or is it doubt? And I, yeah, I honestly think that this is timeless. I mean, it's true that is that you kids nowadays I think that they would speak up, but it's like if you're like the uh, the bullier, you know, is that you're like the odd one, is that you may still like, just go to someone that is going to be like offering any kind of protection, and if the price to pay for that protection is like, just getting abused. Yeah, I think I think we have to. Yes, I think kids feel more empowered to speak up today, but I also think the sophistication of child predators is remarkable. It is what Meryl Streep said it was. They have they're smart. They know that kids will protect them. They set up arrangements with other people. Um, so I could very easily see this single black kid in a white neighborhood getting the support, like you said, that he needs. And it comes at this price that the kid, a gay kid, is might be willing yeah. to pay. 
And I, it's funny that it's like when the, when Viola Davis brings up that is that the kid is gay. I mean, he doesn't say like the kid is gay. He just said the, the kid is different, you know, and that's the reason why the father beats him. Yeah. You know, and uh, they don't make a big deal out of that. Is that because Meryl Streep is like so focused on actually bringing down Father Flynn that she cannot well, see anything. She does yet. ask. Viola Davis says he hasn't done anything. This is just his nature. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she's so like completely focused on destroying this man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like also when they actually say about like what trigger all these doubts. That is that like, he tried. I mean, he tried. Like, Merle Steve character, so Phyllis Hoffman character, uh, trying to hold the blonde kid's hand. Or the uh, or the wrist, and the kid actually pull away. There is like such a small thing, especially just with the kind of picture that they give of that kid. That is like the uh, rebel guy, the blonde kid. So I actually recently watched a documentary about a bunch of women who are about fifty, who were the equivalent of altar boys in these Catholic schools. Catholic schools. And they had horrific stories about being molested by the nuns. And apparently it's a very, very, very common thing. And all of these women are now alcoholics. They don't have functional relationships. And because of that documentary, watching Meryl Streep so insistent on destroying something, I felt she's probably done this too. She's done this to children. And that's why <laughs> that's she, she knows. knows the weird... Yep. Yeah, like that's what I thought. I... That's obviously reading a lot into the script, but... No, I think that is an interesting read, because when she gets asked, have you done, like, a mortal scene? It may, go through, it may actually go through that, you know? No. We you tend to hate the most, the most, you hate uh, with the most passion the things that you see in yourself, right? Exactly, yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, I don't know, I think that is just the story from conception. I think from inception, it's like he's... It's a really good idea, you know, and it's like pretty small. I still think that is like the first time that I checked like how much I was into the movie, it was an hour into it, is that the dialogue and the pace is so good that it's amazing. It's like it actually just holds its weight, you know, it's like all the dialogues, they feel like they have something to bring to the table. It doesn't feel like there is any kind of filler to it. Oh yeah, no, it's every word was carefully analyzed for the value I think it brings to the scene and it, it just shows. I, I was quite honestly blown away by this film. Yeah, so you already said that it's a timeless piece. I fully agree that it's a timeless piece. I watched it like for the first time when it came out and it's like still nowadays I was mind blown. This is like the third or the fourth time that I watch it and now that I can actually just compare from the script perspective and just analyzing a bit more into it, I was like, yeah, this this is good cinema and I like just surprised this is like a movie that reminds me and I know that it's not the same but it's like a, I would recommend it to the same people that I would recommend uh, Atonement there is yeah. like this is both of these movies that they should be more beloved these are good movies I completely agree I'm sorry I'm just thinking about how much I like Atonement <laughs> <laughs> I know I mean that's the reason what I bring it because it's like we both really like that you yeah. know, because it's like a, a nice story, that's a period piece, you know, but it's, like, it's a nice story, but it's not like a huge story, albeit it actually just takes place in World War II. But it's like it's how the characters develop, how they fucked up 
he's pretty good. And all, all of the moral ambiguity and exactly. taking actions as a child that can't appreciate the consequences. I mean, they're the same themes in a broad sense. And I like how both films decided to focus on their characters and their actions and the consequences. I just, just great film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so would you watch it again? Doubt? Yeah, I would. I think I would wait a couple years, but yeah, I would definitely watch this again. Yeah, I I think that I could watch it. If I were to watch it with someone else, I would watch it next week. Honestly, it's, it's a movie that I really like, and it's a movie that is like, I, I think that everyone gets like something different. You know, as you were saying about like maybe see molested girls, is like, I never thought about that. And it's like a very interesting, you know, like reading to it. Yeah, and I think um, I did this several times during this recording. It just, it made me draw so much on my own personal experiences, the things that I've consumed to try and interpret what's on the screen, which just means it's a film that makes you think really hard. Like what is happening? Why why are these characters acting this way? Which I think is a, a difficult thing. It's not difficult, it's just not done very often. <laughs> That's true. In nowadays cinema, no. Nowadays cinema is not about like, you making you think after you leave the cinema. It's about a bit more like, don't think while you're on the cinema and just forget it right after you leave the cinema. Yep. So every single Marvel movie, for example. I'm sorry <laughs> to the audience if you like Marvel cinema, it has all There's the qualities. There's nothing wrong with it, it's just a very different experience. One exactly. is for escapism, go get entertained, and one is like, hey, let's think about things differently than we have before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just making you feel bad, like wheat. <laughs> uh, could you recommend this movie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Do you ever recommend it to anyone? I don't think I have because, as I said before, I, I wasn't super blown away by it the first time. I was also like 24, so... Um, but there's nobody I wouldn't recommend this to at this point. Would you remember it? Yeah, I hadn't forgot this film at all. I mean, there were little details I forgot, but I, I didn't forget this. <laughs> I have forgotten actually the uh, the sister that is going blind, and it actually just plays with like you are lying about her. You know, there is like this kind of moral ambiguity. Yeah, you're like you're playing with a moral ambiguity here. It's like it's true you're not like abusing of a kid, but you are doing something that is against the law, and you know that it's against the law. Yeah. There's so much to unpack in the script. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I I would remember, you know, like the main story. I remember like from the beginning that is like at the end, they kick him out and the, uh, she breaks down at the end, like just saying, I have doubts. I remember that part. I even remember, for example, that uh, Amy Adams goes away for a part of the movie, for 30% of the movie. I don't remember that. But I remember like the general lines and I think that I'm going to remember the rest of my life. I have to say that I was surprised with Philly Seymour Hoffman acting because I only remember from Capote and talented Mr. Ripley and he always plays these not too manly characters. <laughs> and on this one is like, okay, I, I like the voice that he has. I like this kind of very like masculine, firm voice that is like, okay. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. I can, yeah, I can find him even sexy. I mean, he's a child molester. That's a no-no. But Philip Seymour Hoffman, his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the last podcast, when you picked this, we went through his IMDb page, and you've seen like I'm five sorry. of his movies. So I'm going to send you like his five most. I started watching uh, the Master. Maybe I will actually just finish watching it today. Watch that before the devil knows you're dead. It's so good. 
Okay, okay. I will just search it out. Uh, so, do you think that there is anything artistic about doubt? I would say yes, but it's a little bit difficult because this film is a stage play. It was kind of limited in what it did with the camera. It was just very character-centric. I think what they did is, is very good, but I think yeah. it's very functional cinema. There were some interesting upshots of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Meryl Streep's face when they were on the benches talking and it was askew. And I was like, why did they choose this? I, I actually, I felt a bit pissed. They used the skew like the oblique. Uh, shot yeah. a couple of times, and I felt like, nope, you don't use the oblique shot. I didn't like it either. I was like, why are they doing this? Yeah, and I actually was going to be like calling it out. Is that I think, and I agree with you 100% about like this is like functional cinema because when you have like such a script that is so minimal, you know, like so theater plays, like you don't need much, is that just make sure that you can just grasp like the face of the character, and that's it. But when they were using like the oblique shots, I was feeling that look, the oblique shots only work in 4D cinema if it's a noir or a thriller. Otherwise, they feel yeah. out of place. Yep, you're right, you're right. That's why it felt so weird. Yeah, is it, <laughs> look, when I was like, doing the film studies, they actually tell you, it's like, oblique is for the sort of just display that there is something inherently wrong in there. But they use it like, multiple times across the movie, and there are like, some scenes that is that there is nothing wrong here, and that you just want to create discomfort. But is it the discomfort? Is but there is no reason for it, you know. So I just feel it's like yeah, you're going too far. And then when you check actually the director, is that the director only like just directed three things and none of them were. So like, after he directed Joe versus the volcano, he took 18 <laughs> years preparing for his next film, which is Doubt. <laughs> and that's the part is like he was not nominated to an Oscar, if you know. And he's like, I get it from best directing. Is that like, I completely get it because I think the directing is a bit more. Is I like, look. I put amazing actors. I have like a really solid script that I adapted from a theater play. And so the only thing that I have to do is like just being behind the camera. And that that's it. That's as much as I have to do. And I think that from that perspective is that he does enough to not bring the problem down. Agreed. I well, I would say his direction is fairly assured for what he tried to do, which was show a stage play. Like Yeah. I mean I would say that he he is as well, this is an interesting question. Do you think the direction of Wit was stronger or the direction of this film? I think that the director, sorry, the direction of Wit, he didn't try to do anything else that he was trying, that he was supposed to do. It was a bit more like, okay, I'm going to be functional, but it's like, I know how to be functional. Here I had the feeling that it's like, he knew how to be functional, but he thought that it's like, I can go a step beyond that. And is that that step beyond? It doesn't. It doesn't fail completely, but it doesn't have anything else either. Agreed. Yeah. So is that even like the scenes that I think that is like, okay? This from a directing perspective could be good, like the uh, like the dinner table with the priest, and they just move into the nuances. I feel it's like that's nice, but I don't know. I don't know one hundred percent if this works. You know, like it has one more layer about like just comparing like the kind of uh, purity or I don't know, I don't know how to say this, like devotion, devotion that nuns hands compared to the priests that they're like going to be like just living a great life. That almost made me think about like a uh, animal farm from your soul world is that these are the peaks. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I agree. I. 
it's interesting. This this part of the conversation makes me think a little bit less of the direction, but overall. But it's, it's fine. Once again, I don't think that it actually just fails the movie, that it tanks the movie. I just feel it's like it doesn't... When we go to the score, I would just give a bit more of insight into that. I just think that it's like, it's good, it's not artistic per se. I think that the art actually comes from the acting and from the script. Yeah, I agree. The acting is phenomenal. I think the true star of the show is are the words, like the script, the yeah. making you wonder. That was fantastic. Yeah, basically like with, with the strength, it actually comes from the acting and the script. Yep. So, uh, so should we move to score? Did we do all the questions? Would you watch again? Would you recommend it? Is there artistic? Would you remember it? Yep. Would you remember it? Yep. yep. We did it. Yep. Uh, what did you score? Oh man, I have jumped around so much. I, I would say an eight point five. <laughs> I'm also an eight point five. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was initially like an eight, but it's like the more that I think about it, the more kind of uh, middle ground reads that you can have into it. I think that is a way. I mean, this is an. I know that we hate using this term, but it's a bit of a meta thing that is not about like, the doubt that the characters have. It's a bit more of just leaving the audience with a big doubt. And I think that that's what it succeeds. 100%. Jesus, I didn't think of that either. <laughs> no, it's more and more like complex as we talk. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I'm, I'm just surprised because it's true that the acting is not amazing, but I check even like the writing that this guy did. And I think that it may be like a one-hit wonder kind of situation. About like, wow, oh, he, yeah. I mean, the writing is not is not bad, but his his biggest hit it was Moonstruck. Well, that's Academy Award winning. <laughs> Great. And then Congo after Doubt. So, <gasps> I loved Congo as a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> because you also love Jurassic Park, and that was like just targeted to the same people. To the same kids, sorry. <laughs> and more like. Yeah, so I, I just had the feeling that it's okay, this guy actually, this may be like the only really serious movie that he tried to write, and it worked amazingly. I agree with you, and let's remember that he didn't actually write the story, and so maybe he's just gifted when he has the script mostly from someone else. But I think that it's like actually just. It's a good adaptation, you know, as I was telling you, it's like, it's a script that usually nowadays as we have our phones and we have like Reddit and plenty of other things that we could be doing instead of watching a movie, it's pretty easy to just fall into just checking something. And I can go on to say like with the Juniper tree, I was checking Reddit. Yeah, I see what your point, where I yeah. see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, and it's like on this one, I, I, I didn't want to stop watching it. It's like if it was like 20 more minutes with more character development, it's like I would be fine with that. But I would like to see how different the play right, the play is from the film because maybe he just made very few edits. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, but yeah, he's, this is a one-hit wonder sort of. He's never going to be nominated for an Oscar again, probably. <laughs> That's true. I mean, he was not nominated for this. Oh, no, he was nominated for the screenplay. Yeah. I hate it, Wayne. Because probably it's Landon Millionaire one. <laughs> no. <laughs> so actually, the actress was Kane Quislet. It was also the year of the reader. Oh, well, you can't battle the, um, the illiterate Nazi As sex predator. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, 
So what are we watching this week? Uh, so last time you told me you were going to have me watch The Witch, uh, and then you last minute pivoted to doubt, uh, but it made me really want to watch Wit. I loved that movie. We've both been recently watching The Queen's Gambit. Um, yeah. The same actress stars in Anna both. Really like her, and I was just blown away by The Witch when it came out. I just want to watch it, so that's the reason. Yep, and I also want to watch it with subtitles this time so I can understand what happens in the movie. <laughs> okay, man, anything else to say about Doubt? Um, no, but anyone who's listening to this should watch this movie. It's it's worth watching for sure. Yeah, I actually, when I was watching it, after just finishing watching it, I recommended it to a couple of people that you have to watch this. So I didn't even like just wait to record a podcast to start recording it. <laughs> you cheated on the podcast. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to hear for your opinion if I, you know, to actually decide if I like a movie or not. I don't wait for your opinion, but I do wait for the New York Times opinion. I know, I know, but you didn't read the opinion this time. I didn't, I didn't have time. <laughs> okay, man. Well, this was great. Uh, everyone out there, stay safe. Thank you so much for listening. Wash your hands. Bye.